Okay. So this morning I had a vision. And in this vision, I was at some sort of arena. Like, uh, in my city, it was the Quick and Loans Arena. Some people have, like, the Progressive Arena, stuff like that. It was some sort of arena, and it was supposed to be a concert there. And it may have been similar to, like, a football field. So maybe even a baseball field, but I was at this arena and I went into the bathroom and when I was in the bathroom, there was all kinds of like really expensive type things like there was like really expensive, everything looked really nice. It was really bright in there, like the sinks were really nice and like the seats and stuff like that. I was there and it was like, I was like a really gorgeous it girl. That's what it felt like. And I was there like doing my hair and doing my clothes, like getting my clothes together. I even changed and like, I was kind of like just comfortable in the bathroom. And this is kind of like reflective of kind of like how I kind of am in like places. Like I've done this at the airport a few times, but like I was just in a comfortable getting comfortable in the bathroom, just looking really good. I had time. And I was like probably fluttering in my hair and everything. I come out of the arena and now it's time. And I, I just I noticed something. I kept coming out of the bath I mean I come out of the bathroom. I kept coming out of the bathroom and going back in the bathroom and coming back out of the bathroom and going back in the bathroom. And then there was this like feeling of uncomfort like I was I was sort of uncomfortable I was sort of uncomfortable for a second but it was like someone around me who was like it's okay you know you don't have to feel uncomfortable but still I feel so uncomfortable because I know you know the Lord is calling me to higher levels and I haven't been there quite recently but I've been I've had my reasons because the Lord has me on so many different missions but Specifically, I have a special place in my heart for children. And so around this time, what I've been doing is I've been putting a lot of time and attention into children in a, in a certain place. Like it's like it's a certain area that I'm in that I wasn't in normally or originally, where it's like over here, you know, I... It's, this is possibly the side or a bunch of people who don't really, who are not usually around people I'm usually around. Like, they might not even be really cool with them. But I didn't know that until I got over here. And a lot of these people, they move differently. Like, they behave differently. And they carry themselves differently. Where they may have been around me when I was over around certain people. But they just weren't around me all the time. And the reason I picked up on this is because when I was over in this area for as long as I've been over in this area, which has been possibly like two years now, um, different things were being done. And I just was like, that's not right. You know, that's not smart. Like, it's another way to do that. It's a better way to do those things. But like, it felt like I got forced into doing things a certain way because I didn't really have, you know, enough support to do it another way. Like, it's like I had to 
learn how to how to maneuver and operate around them. So I had to learn how to do it by their rules. I knew it wasn't right, but I knew that in order for me to effectively do God's work, that I'm just going to have to learn whatever ways that they have. Of course, putting God first and allowing him to guide me into how I would do it his way, you know, which takes a lot of fighting all the time. But you still have to, you know, sometimes learn it their way because otherwise it'll just be like you're not learning anything. You're not getting through. You're not making a difference. You're not able to do anything. So kind of like a job, you know, you have to learn the rules of the job. You still are who you are. But you have to learn the rules of the job in order to do your work effectively, in order to keep coming into work, you know. But it doesn't define you. You know you can be more. You know you can do more. You know you can, you know, fix things. But in order to fix things, you have to first learn how to do it their way in order to allow them to trust you enough or work your way in so that you can start helping people into doing things a better way. So that's what it felt like in it feels like over here, like they've been a lot of different things I've been noticing, like they've been doing things, you know, and they have a way about themselves. That's like exactly what I've been saying. I should have been doing things the way that way over here. But the issue with everything is like, you know, um, I think I'm picking up on the fact like every single time I got in my mind, like it don't have to go this way. You don't have to do it. Maybe it was people from over here who were visiting me, who were around me, who maybe took a liking to me and they were over there saying, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do it this way. But I was remaining loyal to this side. So I'm seeing and I'm picking up on that now. But now that I'm around these people, what happens? Okay, so all I know is I'm at this arena and things are different over here. But the reason why I can't necessarily learn fully how to do things differently over here is because I have already all this information over there and I would have to take time to sort out what needs to change and what can stay, what can go over here. But by then I would have to choose this side. I would have to completely leave the other side because, you know, over here, they're like, we don't do stuff like that over here. And over there, they're like, we don't do stuff like that over there, over here. So it's like, that's the difference. It's small differences. It's not like overall, you know, it could be worked out, but it's like you get caught off guard and you miss, you mix up the different things. And I don't, I would have to choose a side because if I come back over there doing stuff like that, they're like, where you got that from? If I, you know, come over here and I'm doing stuff like that, they're like, we don't do stuff like that over here. So it's difficult, but it can be done. And I'm just trying to work out like whether God wants me on the next level where he wants me to actually be able to maneuver through both sides, which is possible if I apply myself or if he just wants me to switch sides. And I am not a disloyal person. I'm very loyal. It's very difficult for me to, you know, change up on what I've known. But also the crazy part about it is like, God had given me a word like almost a year ago about people who are over here on this new side that are actually going to be a part of my mission. And and it's being brought up like, yeah, we know that this person is a part of your prophecy. We know that this person is a part of the you know future that you've seen. And, you know, so I know that I'm supposed to be over here. It's amazing because I hear people saying, you got her over here. You got her over here. But it's like, 
And it sounds like a setup and it's probably going to be very hard. It's like it was very, very hard over here for at least two years. It was very hard and very torturous. But it's like still, I know my future. I know my destiny. I know that I'll overcome it eventually. But the fact of the matter is, you know, God, God had shown me something. God had been showing me different things, specifically like three different people. Little baby Gunna and Dirk. And I had an encounter with Dirk where he stuck up for me when everybody else, like, you know, everybody else just like played me to the side. So I always remember that in my heart. Not that I want to put too much on it because people are who they are. You don't want to put too much on people because you don't want to have to pressure them to be, you know, more. You know, it's okay to pressure people, but. Like, allow people to be who they are. If they're just kind and that's the kindness that they show you, that they'll show that, period, because that's who they are. But I don't want to pressure anybody to feel like, oh, you have to be my best friend and you have to be kind to me all the time. No, it's okay. Like, people are who they are. And then with Gunna. With Gunna, in the beginning of this process, before everything even started, I listened to his music. And when I heard his music, I said, you know, I know what God has said about rap music. I know what God has said about secular music. He said that, you know, you are in bed with the devil. Like, you need to be singing gospel music. That's just what it is. If your songs are not glorifying God, then you know what, you know you're wrong. I know that, but, you know, when I heard Gunna Music, I was like, man, this this guy is a genius. This guy is really a genius. Like, you hear it in his, you know, sound. And a lot of people call that call it that your sound. So when I heard Gunner's music before all of this started, before I knew anything about these different things that go on in the spirit, um, I was just like, Gunna is a genius. His music is genius. Like almost kind of fell in love with like the science and the genius behind his sound. And I felt it. I felt it like, gosh, you are so smart because it's not just the fact that you are talented. It's the fact that you know what people want to hear. You are kind of working people's like preferences of, of music into your talent and how you would, you know, you know, how you would put some music out. And it's so genius on so many different levels where I feel like this appeals to so many different crowds. I'm like, you're too genius. And if and then immediately I was reminded or I felt that God told me like Gunna Gunna was a church boy, you know, possibly even in a choir, play drums. And that's, you know, broke it broke God's heart that, you know, he gravitated towards secular music. And that's usually almost always the backstory behind people who make it big. They started in a church. They started in a church. So you know that Satan is attacking God's children and pulling them out of the church. But it's so different now. You know, once I get this understanding that a lot of these different individuals, they have no choice but to have a relationship with God. So you believe that because they become so big that automatically they don't have a relationship with God, automatically that they don't deal with God, that they have turned away from him. And even though that may be true, it's not true. God, as I watched Whitney Houston's documentary said to me, I said that I watched her documentary and uh, she, she, she sang a gospel song. She sang to God, 
the first song of every concert that she ever was in, she sang a gospel song. And I said, Lord, so why would you send her to hell? Because God said she's in hell. And I said, why would you send her to hell? Because, you know, shouldn't she have another chance? You know, every single concert, she, she sang a gospel song. And Whitney, Whitney Houston's fan base is immense. Like, she has millions of people who love her. And so imagine all of the young children, young people, young ears who would hear gospel first before they listen to any of her music. And that could have inspired so many people to, you know, come to you and build a relationship back with you and to seek you. She led people to you, I'm sure. And the Lord said, that does not impress me. He said, Whitney knew better. She knew the life that she was leading, you know, and at the end of the day, of course, she sings, she sings a gospel song in the beginning of every single concert because I'm God. What I give, I can take away. And she knows that she can lose everything right now. So she better. And I was like, okay, I get it. I understand what you're saying, God. You're saying, you know, that's not that just because you sung a gospel song or just because you kept sort of a relationship with God, not even sort of, you kept a relationship with God, but just because, you know, you're doing these things and you have a relationship with God, doesn't mean that God is going to automatically let you into heaven. He requires so much more of us. The demons, I'm going to quote this scripture, the demons know God's name and know who God is and tremble. So how much more does he expect from you? One gospel song is not going to make up for an entire career of secular music. Whitney Houston, she was the lead or she was, she, I want to say she was a lead. I would say she was a very wonderful voice and her church grew up in it. She should have stayed in the church. Oftentimes it comes down to that and it sounds so messed up because now I'm at this place where it's like I'm musically talented and I have, you know, visions of my future of me being, you know, in the industry and head of the industry actually and really really big and i'm fighting it with everything that i have because i feel that i don't want to turn my back on god i don't want to end up going to hell you know as anointed and favored as i am but the thing is in my future i saw god descending above me at all times and i know it was god i know it is god because he's here now and that was before he's he like this stuff even happened so I'm just wondering, like, you know, could I still go to hell even though God descends above me at all times? And that's what it is. It's like even even if God, you know, transform you into a woman of God, you are required every single day to live up to that, to your highest ability. And we make mistakes. We're not perfect. But these lifestyles of luxury and these lifestyles of, you know... These lifestyles of secular music and this, you know, just entertainment, we have to be very careful. We just have to be very careful because the environments that we will be in, the pl the places that we will go, oftentimes will not be, you know, f Holy Spirit filled. And they can drag you down. They can. And I know for a fact that Whitney is in hell. And it, it breaks my heart. And I love Brandy. And Brandy is her goddaughter and Brandy is my sister because we love her and my sound, you know, has Brandy in it. Like 
I think that my sound is even have Whitney in it now, you know, and it's like it's all coming together. It's really all, you know, starting to shape into the vision of my future that I've seen. But I'm still fighting that future because it feels like my brother is trying to save my soul when he's trying to keep me from certain individuals and keep me out of certain environments. It feels like he's trying to save me. And I don't know. I don't know. My 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 intuition tells me that I need to pay attention to my brother. But this vision of this future that I've seen is so frustrating. I mean, it it, it conflicts with everything because, you know, I was told there's nothing no one in, in the world can do to change this future. And it has been true. It has been true up until this point. And only God can tell the future. The Bible says only God can tell the future. And this vision told my future. I'm living that future right now. This vision I got a year before things even started. And now everything is happening exactly how this vision has said. But we will see how it turns out because the vision showed me that or told me that I will run away from my family and I will get away from them. And they will have betrayed me so badly. Things will never be the same. I can never go back around them. I can, but, you know, they've betrayed me to the highest form, highest form they've betrayed me. And they will never show any remorse for what they did to me. Never. Like, I will blow up and I'll be really big and I'll be on top of the industry, etc. But... Even years down the road, they will never show no remorse for what they did to me. They will just want to be around me because they'll see me on TV. They'll only call just because I'll be on TV. They will never care that they left me for a day. They will never care about that. And if I never became nothing, they, they would have literally been okay with me dying. Because they tried to kill me. But I still don't know if I trust this vision or this future because I see so many conflicting things happening in the process. Like... Just recently, I saw, you know, what I saw was, I just watched a video from Camille Hernandez on YouTube, and she, I know, is anointed. She, I know, has a rapport in a, in a relationship with God, and she's getting her words from God. I know she is, because a lot of things that she's saying, he's saying, he's saying to me, too. And, you know, I noticed different things where it's like, it feels like God is saying, you know, just I don't he not really saying much but just like showing me that he is raising her up and we may have had words even though I don't want to I don't want to assume that we really did because like if the, if you're with God then you're my sister in Christ and I support you and I don't ever want any negativity to ever come in between anybody who shares the same belief that you have for God or the same love that you have for God because we need each other. We There's so very few of us out here. We all need to be praying for each other. We all need to be wishing for the best for each other. And I don't ever want to wish bad on anybody or claim anything bad in anyone's life. You know, and why would I, you know, beef or have an issue with someone who is, you know... 
someone in you know some established in God when at the end of the day there's so many people out here who are against him like it's I have way too much time and way too many opportunities to be at be at odds with someone to let it be my sister in Christ so I don't even entertain that plus I know she's getting words from God directly from him but you know I see her videos and I see like She's being raised up. I can see it. And recently she talked about, you know, celebrities starting to visit her. And I've been talking about how this has been happening for me for two years. Like, by no means do I feel like it's a competition. I, you know, it's introduced by Satan because Satan wants to sow discord and calamity in the church and God's people. But, you know, it feels like things are changing from what it feels like was originally introduced and the fact that I see that celebrities are starting to visit her, it makes me wonder what uh what kind of destiny God has on her life because, you know, celebrities are visiting, visiting me and celebrities are visiting other people and they're saying different things about different people. And so it makes me feel like possibly that is not my future. Like if this is happening to other people, then maybe, of course, what I've even discovered when I was worshiping and praying is that there is an agenda on God's people. There's an agenda on the church to drag us down and to get us caught up in these lifestyles in order to somehow prevent the rapture. And, you know, I just fear for my sister. I'm going to pray for her. I'm going to make sure that I keep her on my heart every single time I enter God's presence. You know, if I ever see an opportunity or a chance to somehow help, then I will. And I I feel that I have, you know, a, a few times. So I also wonder, like, you know, what this possibly means. But I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to, you know, trust that God has this. I know that she has a relationship with him, so I know that he will care. He will care for her. I trust him. I trust him to care for her and everyone else. You know, but I'm just careful. I'm careful because I see that there's so many different attacks on my life and anything that, you know, I sow into, it seems as if these in, these principalities and powers of darkness seek after and try to attack. So I'm, I'm trying to be very careful. So, um, God has given me a few words on a few people. There's actually this woman and her name is Michelle. Peterson, I believe. Uh, I don't want to put her last name because I don't want to get it wrong. But Michelle, and she's a prophet, and she's had she's had a lot of visions that I've had too. And this woman, I've sold into our ministry because I felt that I've gained insight from her journey, and she's helped me to know that I'm not alone in this. And I got a word that said like she's kind of like, you know, a little like. A little consumed with money, but she's really still so anointed in God. But, you know, I haven't seen these things start happening with her. So maybe that is a indication that, you know, this is actually my destiny and it's not, it's not a mistake. Like it's not, you know, it's not a it's not like a a ploy or plot to, you know, destroy my faith. Maybe this is my future. But I don't want to get settled on that because more recently what I've discovered is that 
these things, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not imagining these things. These things are like this, you know, these individuals that I've encountered, they are really this wicked. They are really up to these things. They are really, you know, plotting and planning, you know, to keep me in bondage for the rest of my life. They are really that wicked where they will actually plan to keep you in bondage for the rest of your life. Like some people want to take possibly five, maybe 10 years off your life. If that these individuals actually want to take you to your grave in bondage. And that's wicked. That's extremely wicked. And I feel that that's what my brother is trying to protect me from. When this person says there's nothing no one can do to change this. You know, I was concerned because I've never in my entire life, you know, really gotten a word like that from God. Not necessarily. I mean, when he showed me my destiny, he said that that's going to happen for sure. You know, no matter what, that's going to happen. But he didn't say that there's nothing no one can do to change it. And the and the the just the word on that, there's nothing no one can do to change this. This is going to happen for sure. Made me feel like it was manipulative. It was. It just felt manipulative. And maybe that's what's on my heart. But I felt it was manipulative because I felt like, you know. Now, one thing I feel that God has always reminded me my entire life is. Things are subject to change. He has the final say on everything. You know, don't ever make plans. You know, just submit to his will because you never know what will happen. You may have plans to go this way and he plot twists, you know, and you just go in an entire different direction. He's been doing that. So maybe it is, you know, from God that word. Or maybe it is exactly the mission God has me on and the reason why I need to exercise the spirit of wisdom and discernment correctly because things that look so simple and so easy to grasp or just so straightforward can be you know there's sometimes wisdom and discernment is needed to you know pull and pluck you know the different like wicked schemes and avoid so I believe that if I had just believed this vision was my future and I hadn't fought it as much as I had been fighting it, I wouldn't have even have known as much as I know now about, you know, these individuals and their lifestyles. You know, finding that they are manipulating, you know, whole lives with their deception. And a lot of people aren't, you know, equipped to avoid these things and God may have equipped me he believes he placed enough power in me but he still has me on this mission and he told me upon completion so it matters that I exercise the spirit of wisdom and discernment correctly in order for my future he told me so much bigger than I can think and imagine and yes this vision shows me a future of something so much bigger than I can think or imagine me at the top of the industry and Everything I've ever wanted to be fulfilled in God and the entire industry cleaned up everything under God. No more of the sexual abuse, no more of the satanic, you know, rituals, no more of the, you know, selling your soul for contracts and all of that cleaned up underneath my label. And it's amazing how more recently God has been, you know, like gravitating me towards Michael Jackson. And then I saw this word. On Michael Jackson, a lot of times you see a lot of posts about Michael Jackson, his life, and the things that he did in his life. 
But I'd never seen this one and I read it and it said that Michael Jackson had plans to bring each and every single last black artist in the entire industry under one independent label. He wasn't able to complete it because they fought him. And then it starts to make sense. My whole life, God has been giving me words on Michael Jackson about the child molestation charges and about how, you know, Michael, you know, I remember when I was younger, I watched this video. Everybody went so crazy. They were torturing Michael. The media showed up at his home and they were like, Michael, Michael, you know, and it was this interviewer. He allowed her to come and interview him, which was rare around this time because they were torturing him so much. He was hiding from them, you know, well, he not really hiding, but he was just kind of protecting himself. But he allowed this interviewer to come to his home and she was just like following him around. You know, I believe it was his yard. He had Michael had giraffes. Michael had a whole zoo and you know, she was following him around and she was asking all these questions about these child molestation charges. And he was just like, he got so, I've I seen the frustration. I seen the hurt. I seen the pain in him. And I seen that he was struggling to deal with all of the pressure. He climbed up in the tree and it was all over the news before I even saw the video. He climbed up in the tree and they were just like, Michael, why are you in that tree? You know, and then everybody was talking about him marrying a white woman. And then everybody was talking about how his kids weren't his kids because they were whole, they were full white. They were like it was like hardly any black in them. And, you know, they were talking about how he was, you know, weird and crazy for climbing their trees. And I remember all this stuff. And I, I just remember not really believing the hype about Michael. I felt like, you know, gosh, why is everybody so nitpicky? He climbed up in a tree and now they want to call him weird and crazy. What is so weird and crazy about climbing up in a tree? Even before I saw the video, that's how I felt. And I know my opinion probably is not super important, but it's just that this is things that God has placed on my heart. So when I saw the video, I automatically was thinking like, man, I think they're just bored. Like they have to be bored or it's just something that it's something that they have with Michael, like where they just want to bother him, just like the Britney Spears thing. And I already had was suspicious of things. I grew up around my aunt who would bring me videos about the industry, who would bring us, bring my whole family and tell my mom and bring us DVDs about the, about the industry where they would talk about all of the homosexual activity and all kinds of demonic rituals and stuff that they would do in the industry in order to you know in order to get people to you know bow and get people to get people to bow down to satan and sell their souls for contracts and things so i already had this on my heart i remember watching videos about tupac still being alive and then there was this video i watched where they said that if you play tupac lyrics backwards it was like demonic tongues and they were like saying things and i was watching this stuff for hours until one day I just got so scared how it sounded when it came out. It just sounded so distorted and demonic. It touched my soul. And I, I was so scared I couldn't even turn it off. I was like, somebody else turn it off. I just started crying. And like, I was so scared. And like, you know, now just having like encounters with Tupac and like, is I never idolized these individuals. I just always knew something was up. I always felt like something was not right about it. And I feel that that's why I'm a target. When you think for yourself, you are a target. When you allow God to guide you, you are a target. And so, you know, with Michael Jackson, like I just knew that they were targeting him. And the fact that he beat that case, 
but he had to pay a million dollars to the children's fund. And I just felt like money is just ruling the world. Like they never cared whether Michael really abused those children. The fact is like, I may not know whether he did or didn't, but I do know him paying a million dollars and beating the case makes it sound like all he had to do was give them some money to get them to get off his back. And I could never understand or believe that people would actually go this far to torture someone's whole life over some money. And that's why I never trusted it. Whether I know Michael is to be exonerated or not, the fact of the matter is I never trusted it because money changed everyone's mind about him. They tortured him all this time until he complied with paying a million dollars to the children's fund. And then next, you know, it's like, oh, he he was let off. So it doesn't matter. Do you even care about the children at this point? You make it seem like you care so much about him being a child molester and being around your kids and molesting these kids. But when money is introduced, all of a sudden, you know, oh, that the judge said he didn't do it. So who cares? Like you never thought for yourself and you never really cared. And you allowed them to torture this man until he coughed up some money. And now I'm supposed to believe that it was about the children the whole time. If, of course, he did do that. After a million dollars was paid to the children fund, does that somehow take away the traumas of the children who had to go through whatever it is he did? So that's why I never trust this world. Because if I could pay you a million dollars right now, you wouldn't care if I would kill everybody in your family. And... You are, you know, you're not the person that cares. He's probably the one that cares. And, of course, he looks like the bad guy because you have this control over people's minds and media. So that's why I never really trusted it. But to think about the everyone coming under one label, it feels like Michael was really a genius. And he was up to something really good. And, of course, that's when they start to, you know, obliterate everything that you've built. Wesley Snipes, the situation with Wesley Snipes was so interesting to me. I never really, you know, trusted that situation either. Wesley Snipes, you know, his entire career, he was a really great actor. He was really talented and, you know, really loved. And then one day they're just like, oh, Wesley Snipes is, you know, going to jail for tax evasion. He owes at least a million dollars. You know, he's poor, he's broken, he can't pay it. And so he's going to jail. And they're about to put Wesley Snipes in jail for tax evasion. And I'm just like, this entire time. Wesley Snipes has been doing all these movies, really popular, really on the scene, you know, not hiding, not one bit. And out of this entire time, you never went, you know, you never went through his taxes. You never was, nobody in his, you know, his camp was making sure that his bills were paid. You know, it's possible, but to me, it just seems so sneaky and so, you know, it just seems so plotted and schemed. And this is the world that we live in, you know? This is the things that are going on behind the scenes. And then more recently, because I didn't even look into it enough but then, I just knew that as soon as you're not in, a, in enough movies or as big as you once were, they throw you in jail just like they just did R. Kelly and Bill Cosby and um, that 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 director I can't remember his name but they're saying he was you know drugging women the entire time and the fact of the matter is he's played such a big part in all of these Hollywood movies for years and you mean to tell me just now 10 years later you want to throw him in jail for drugging women like it doesn't take that long to catch someone and if you knew the whole time if these women were there the whole time if you ever cared about them he would have been caught they use people up until they can anymore even if these people are guilty of what they've done the fact of the matter is they don't really care about what they did 
They just want to control people. So it's not about me feeling like people should get away with what they're doing. It's about me caring about the fact that they don't really care about justice. It's never about justice. It's about power and control over people. When you no longer have it, you throw them in jail and you turn the whole world against them and take everything from them, their legacy, everything that they've built. And oftentimes this comes when people stand up for themselves. They're saying, I'm tired of you you're, you bossing me around. I'm tired of you telling me what I cannot do. And I'm tired of you trying to control my life. So I'm standing up to you. And then they're like, okay, so what you think? We can't just tear down everything that you did and everything you've done. And this is how they've controlled people for years. So I see it. I use you up until they're done with you. And then they kick you to the side like you never meant anything. When you die, they give the money they some a lot of times they don't even give the money to your family, but sometimes they give the money to your family and then you find out that your family never even cared about you at all. They just cared about the money. Sometimes, you know, and it's just like it's so cliche, but wisdom and discernment still is needed, you know. That being said, you know, um I found out that Wesley Snipes was about to start a was about to do a black history movie. And that's why they did that. They, you know, they made it seem like he was, you know, not paying his taxes. He was, you know, caught for tax evasion. They will make up anything on you when you start to try and uplift our people. When you start to try and tell the truth about what's going on in this world, when you try to wake our people up, they will make up anything on you or try to get you to sell yourself or anything in order to prevent that from happening. And I see that God is trying to wake our people up by exposing to me that he is black. Jesus is black. Jesus has been black. The Bible is black history. This is our truth. And when we're not living in our truth and not living by these words of God, when we're not woke, we are, you know, we are vulnerable. We're extremely vulnerable because everything else that we will gravitate towards, they have complete control over. Satan has control over. And so if you're not choosing God, you're extremely vulnerable. It's what it is. You're at his disposal. Whenever he feels like he wants to control you, he'll just take some of these things you depend on and then you'll have no way out. You'll have nothing to do. I'm living that right now. So that being said, let me finish this vision before time is up. I was at this concert and I was in the crowd for a second, but then I was kind of like behind the gate where where the stage is. Like I was right up on the stage while the whole crowd was behind this 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 fence, and Katy Perry was performing, and I remember seeing Katy Perry, and I was thinking to myself immediately what I thought in my heart. Katy Perry, I've loved you for years. It felt like I, my heart just naturally gravitated towards you. You're so bubbly, and you know the the images and the sound that you have. It puts you know it brings me to a happy place. But the Lord, you know, the Lord is saying that you, you way back in Lady Gaga era kind of got caught up in this industry thing. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun, but I just want to say that it feels as if she had been influenced negatively, but I think she's still a good person. I've always thought she was naturally a good person, but it just felt like the Lord had been guiding me to say, you know, yeah, stay away from that idolatrous lifestyle of idolizing Katy Perry and her music because she's been influenced. And she's singing, and I, I think this to my in my heart, I'm like, you know, and now you're in this place where you're still so big, you still have the potential to be so big, so they're not going to 
be done with you for a while, but you're kind of in a place where they, right now, if you stood up for yourself, they would really just destroy your entire career because they feel that they've, you know, probably, you know, drenched you and wrong you drop everything you've ever had. So Katy Perry was on the stage and she just started crying out, someone pray over me, pray over me, please pray over me. And she was screaming out to her fans, please, please pray over me, pray over me. She was like, I need, I need to be prayed over, help me. And then she fainted. And like, I was like, my heart was pulled because I was like, the Lord is showing me that I need to, instead of judging people in their situations, I need to take action. I need to, you know, instead pray over people. But the reason why I didn't do it is because right now I'm in a situation and I hate the excuses, but right now I'm in a situation where, you know, I am, I have so much stuff going on and, you know, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, which way to go. And I can show up and I can be more. And God has been calling me to do that. Show up and be more all the time, every time, whenever I call you and things will be better for you. But the issue is that, you know, I hate this excuse, but I've been feeling so, so drained and so exhausted. And I know that that is the enemy's tactic of, you know, putting me out of the game and throwing me out of taking away my destiny. And it's sad because it's like I could have jumped up there and prayed for her. And when I did, I would have had to fight each and every single demon that's after me right now. I would have had to fight each and every single last individual that I am you know, kind of trying to maneuver my way around right now. And it makes sound like, you know, it's that's messed up for you not to pray for her when you said that, you know. But at the same time, it's like, if you if you could just understand, if you could just understand that, you know, you you fight very hard in the in the beginning. You fight so hard, and you're want, you're wanting to save everybody. Then it starts to drain you, and you have to start using strategy in order to get your work done. Because what happens is, you try and do something, and you will have to fight this person and fight this person and fight that person and fight that person. And I've always thought that that was unfair. That one person has to continuously fight all these people. And you're left with whatever energy you have left from the last fight. You have to fight a million more. And it's like, I'm so drained from that. And it's sad because it's like, I'm I'm being jumped all the time. I just am. And yes, obviously God has placed a power inside of me. I need to trust that he's going to bring me out of every situation as long as I'm doing his good work. But it be, it comes to a point where you have to pick and choose your battles. You really do. Because what will happen is, you know priorities are being tossed aside and you know played over and yes things can work out for you especially when you're brave and you take chances but you know just understanding that you know I'm just trying to protect so many things like for example there's the kids you know there's been so many different kids that I've been trying to work with and the Lord told me about a child army I'm raising these children up to be fighters for God and they are at risk every single time I take chances. Then there is, of course, I prepared them for that, though. But still, it's like I do everything in my power not to risk that. Some people just do not care. And some people are strong enough to tear down these kids. And, of course, the best experience is life experience. 
but it's like I'm still trying to build them up. And then in the process, you may miss out on opportunities to recruit more who can be a part of it. So priority children and then this part is selfish, but my priority is my family. Oftentimes I'm trying to protect and prevent them from being caught in a crossfire. Oftentimes it's not ever their fault while they're put in these situations. It's just the fact that Satan is after my mission for God. And yes, I have to choose God over everything and everybody. But at the end of the day, you know, my family suffers so much. Every single time I go after some demon, every single time I'm praying over somebody, every single time I jump in the line of fire, they immediately go for my family. That's how they are. They will use your family as, you know, collateral. You know, throughout this entire process, I've just heard the torture of my brother, my mother, and my sisters in the background. Every single time I go to pray and fight for something for God, they're just torturing me, torturing my heart because of the love of my family and these children, the things that I'm fighting so hard to protect my overall mission and assignment, you know, tearing down my progress. So you have to plan these things. You have to plan these things. But when God shows you a spontaneous opportunity to do things, you should take it. And I kept fighting it. I felt that Jesus was saying, you hear me. You hear me. You hear me. You can pray over her. She's asking you to pray over her. She's calling out to you. She wants your help. And I couldn't do it because, you know, I'm still in this place where it's like I'm low right now. I'm low right now trying to figure out what needs to be done here. And if I do this right now, I will possibly mess up this entire operation that I'm working on of figuring out why God has me here. God has called me over here in this direction for a reason. And ever since I got here, there has been little, you know, opportunities or little like plots and, you know, plots of destruction to get me to somehow rush this process so that, you know, everything doesn't happen at God's plan. God is saying, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And so there's going to always be these little plots, you know, that show up that's like, do it now, do it now. And they're trying to provoke you. Like, here's an opportunity, save this person. Here's an opportunity, save those people. Here's an opportunity, fight this person. You can get all of this out of it. And the fact of the matter is, they know that their time is almost up. If they can rush you, they can prevent the ultimate win. You have to pick and choose your battles. And I know that God will work it out. He always wins. But the fact of the matter is, I know what they're up to and it won't make sense right now, but you just have to trust the process. You have to trust the process because God has already told me once, listen, don't listen to them. They're trying to rush the rapture. And if they rush the rapture, it's a possibility that we could lose. So I know we can never lose. God can never lose. So I know that that's a lie of Satan. But the thing is, what he's saying is we'll lose people. We'll lose people who are meant to go. We'll lose an opportunity to save more. The Bible says that Jesus is not slow, but careful and patient. Excuse me, not careful. Jesus is not slow, but patient so that everyone is brought to repentance. So what that means is he's not slow in coming back. It hasn't taken Jesus 2,000 years because he's just moving so slow. It's taken Jesus 2,000 years because he's trying to save and get every single person he could possibly get. 
in the rapture. It's already so few that's going. He's trying to get so as many as he possibly can. He wants them to go. And all I know is, you know, there Satan is doing everything in his power, every chance that he get to try and rush this. You know, and he'll 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 make it show up as oh, jump jump in a line of fire and pray over somebody and take this opportunity to do God's good work. And he knows that, and he has so many different things set up in the background. And when you do that, of course, you help somebody. You can never regret helping someone, but he'll come and have destroyed so much of your progress. And it's okay, but because God, you can trust that God will work it out for you, no matter what direction you go in. But you just have to know that you know. You just have to know that God is telling you to wait. God said, wait, be patient, trust him. And and I know that it's a good thing to do that because throughout this process I have. And then as long as I do, what I do is I align exactly what God wants me to do and exactly where he wants me to be. And I hear him, you know, when I'm being obedient, I hear him when it's time. He says, it's time. So you'll know. You cannot let anyone ruin it. They know that too. They've seen it. So don't be mistaken by believing that people do not know who God is when they pretend as if they don't care. They care and they're trying to destroy his mission. They're trying to rush it. They're trying to mess some things up. They're hoping that they can destroy anything in the process or tear some things down and get away with certain things. But they won't. That's why you have to be patient. And sometimes it looks like you're heartbreaking for not being able to help someone who needed you. But I'm sure that everything will work out if it... You know, if, of course, that's in God's will. 